Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'm Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. So in our continuing effort to start out 2020 afresh and new, yes. we're talking about something that was huge in 2019. <laughs> and has actually been huge in the last two days, too. It two has. Days. It has. <laughs> we are talking about cancel culture. Cancel culture. People, check what you say. Please. Yeah. Um, trigger warning, a very brief mention of sexual assault and very, very brief mention of suicidality. And yeah, this has been the source of a lot of discussion and debate lately. And in 2019... Um, President Obama even spoke about it. He didn't mention it by name, but most people right. were like, no, we know what you're talking about. Right. Uh, and so we're going to talk about, yes, cancel culture and call-out culture. They're pretty closely related. Right. Yes. So definition, Merriam-Webster defines cancel as to destroy the force, effectiveness, or validity of. So cancel culture is when a person, typically a celebrity or company, is called out for a problematic opinion or behavior Usually something sexist, racist, homophobic, xenophobic, transphobic, and often something from several years earlier, usually on social media, and it boycotted by a large group of people, this person or company that did this thing. This can hugely and negatively impact a person's career or a company's revenue, like Peloton is a good example. Um, Or it might not at all. There's a lot of arguments out there about its effectiveness or not. It's a way for communities to express their values. Calling out problematic behavior is often one of the things that binds groups together. Right. Merriam-Webster credits Black Twitter with coming up with, quote-unquote, cancel culture in 2015, bringing it into the mainstream. From this specific definition, someone has expressed an objectionable opinion or has conducted themselves in a way that is unacceptable and to continue to support them leaves a bitter taste, quote-unquote. Yes. And yeah, 2019 was a huge year for it. Mm-hmm. If you look at Google Trends chart of cancel culture, it surged exponentially in 2019. Mm. It was Macquarie Dictionary's word of the year, but that doesn't mean it was new. Nope. 
One of the first prominent examples of cancel culture took place in 2016 when hashtag Taylor Swift is canceled started trending after Kim Kardashian shared footage of Kanye West alerting Taylor Swift to a provocative lyric involving her in an upcoming song, and Swift thanked him for it, even though she later stated that he had not warned her. Once this footage was surfaced, Swift argued that she was falsely being painted as a liar, but it was too late. Much of the internet saw her continuing playing the role of victim. In the circle of celebrity life, Kanye would face his own cancellation when he supported Trump. And yes, you can't be canceled by who you support and who supports you. And Kim regularly gets canceled over a harmful spawn con and cultural appropriation. I I was thinking today about the song, um, Look What You Made Me Do, Taylor Swift's song. Right. She even says in there, I got mine, but you'll all get yours. You're right, right. It's a slapback. It's definitely a whole social scene to be canceled almost. In a weird way. In a weird way. Anyway, so another example took place in 2018 when YouTube makeup artist Lara Lee, which, by the way, I thought for a minute was the Ingalls brand. Yeah. It took me a minute. Um, she had racist tweets she previously made resurfaced, and she lost 300,000 subscribers and several sponsorships and other business connections. In response, she posted an apology that was largely deemed as disingenuous and even turned into a meme. Yeah. Yet another high-profile case was Kevin Hart, who stepped away from hosting the Oscars in 2019 after some of his past homophobic tweets came to light, and he refused to apologize for them until much later. But he did just fine and went on to make a docuseries about it for Netflix later that year. Not specifically about it, but definitely right. it was part of it. And he was the highest-paid comedian for the second year in a row, making $59 million from June 2018 to June 2019. Right, and someone who helped kind of, I don't know, validate him or fix him, I guess, in that situation was um, Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, that's right. And we know there's been a many a things yeah. in the last year that has also said, yeah, rich people, they should just be canceled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Since cancel culture does exist primarily on the internet, this can mean a lot of folks go about their day never knowing all of Twitter is calling for someone to be canceled. And that's why bigger non-internet stars have an easier time recovering. And of course, bigger celebrities have their massive fan followings coming to their defense. Right. And an article in Adweek made basically the same argument for the corporations. What takes place on the internet doesn't really have real-life implications, as we've seen, because Peloton is, even though they lost some steam, they're still doing <laughs> they fine. Steam. I don't know how else to say it. But of course, while internet cancel culture is fairly new, you can liken it to the anxieties around protesting and demonstrating. And public shaming and criticizing is definitely not new either. The internet just makes it faster and easier. And the internet does not forget. No. Just always a reminder. remember. Always remember that. I was wondering if you could include Monica Lewinsky as a pre-social media example. A lot of the hallmarks sound really similar, although it's sort of the opposite of woke cancel culture. Um, I guess we could go down a whole rabbit hole of how it only seems to be cancel culture when liberals do it, but I guess that's part of the definition. Right. And I think when you think about the Monica Lewinsky bit, you have a lot of the things that had to do with late night TV. That's That true. went after her, yeah. her as well as other reports, which is kind of the big voices. The, that started back way back when before this is yeah. this age in social media, which you can have a comedian give like a $120, 120 word quip and it can go take off and or be 
the cancellation of them yeah. in general. So it makes you wonder what is the correlation. Yeah. What is the correlation between the two? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Things I'll, to I'll, think I'll, on. Yeah, I'll think about it. I guess it's not an example, right. but it's sort of related. It is in like the same a world. It is the out there communications. Mm. teleported to whomever, <laughs> the home living room of whoever listens to Jayla now at the time or whatever. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> we'll think on that and return to it in a future episode maybe. And yes, related but slightly different is call-out culture. Call-out culture entails publicly shaming someone, usually specifically on Twitter, by calling out problematic behavior. Doesn't necessarily involve a boycott, which cancel culture does. Right. The general aim is just to hold people accountable. And to see a lot of memes or gifts. So many memes. So many memes. So many memes. (laughs) (laughs) We might touch on some of those memes, possibly. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? (laughs) Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So the pop culture idea of cancel culture is essentially, if you do anything wrong or problematic, you're done forever. That's sort of how people understand it. Your voice is silenced for life, you're canceled. And because of this, a lot of people in power who historically haven't had to face consequences have started using the term to condemn those who accuse them. Um, we saw this from some men in the wake of Me Too, kind of that witch hunt mentality when they, they speak about the evils 
of cancel culture. Like, I could be canceled at any minute. If you look at what happens, though, most of the time, a lot of these powerful people aren't canceled. Take Harvey Weinstein. He settled, didn't even go to jail, and semi-recently went to a young artist event. And I believe two women who confronted him at the event were kicked out. Yes, actually, the comedian who actually called him out Mm -hmm. was booed off of stage. Yeah. And then her friend who went after him face-to-face was also asked to leave. And there was a whole cancel culture on the woman who created the event. She actually got canceled as well as the actual venue. Whoa. So I don't know what's happened, but they went after them pretty hardcore. But of course, it took videos and people, famous people, reposting mm-hmm. that event and that incident. Mm-hmm. And I will say, Harvey Weinstein even came out pretty clean. Came out okay. Yeah, even still, like maybe now he can't go to those events without realizing, oh, someone may actually pay attention. Because that was the second, third time he showed up to one of those events. Mm-hmm. So this was not the first time he'd been at one, but first time that actually been able to find a footage of them calling him out. Oh. Right, right. So even still, he's fine. Yeah. He was, he's fine. He was hanging out with a bunch of young girls at a table, and no one really seemed to have a problem except for the two ladies. In that event, which was supposed to be an event for young stars or up-and-coming stars or those who are trying to be stars. Ah, BT dubs. Yeah, yeah. So if you look at comedian Shane Gillis, who was, well, not necessarily fired, but told not to come in on his first day from SNL after clips of him making racist comments in the past resurfaced. And I just want to go ahead and let people know it's not just one comment. Yeah. That was the part that I think I had the biggest problem with in this whole, oh, this cancel culture, oh, he, he's a comedian. When you actually go and listen to a lot of the things that are said, it's constant. It's mm-hmm. a constant thing that he and this other person on this podcast actually would do. And res- of course, in response, comedian Bill Burr said, quote, you f***ing millennials, you're a bunch of rats, all of you. None of them care. All they want to do is get people in trouble, unquote. But Shane Gillis is touring now. Oh, you look at that. Even events like this always spawn conversations about free speech, but they don't always do a great job in taking to account the free speech of those impacted by racism or sexism or people who simply don't want to support those types of humor in the show they watch. Yeah. Which I think in itself needs to be reminded, this affects people. Yes, and that's fine. You want to take the chance of saying these things and also holding back, by the way, his apology— it was a non-apology, mm-hmm. once again. You have to take responsibility, and that's one of the biggest problems I think people are not facing. They're just talking about being canceled, being canceled, but look at the apology. It seems so insincere half the time that it's kind of like, why, why should we accept you back? You haven't learned. You're just trying to, you know, crawl out of this bad situation. Um, and, of course, the First Amendment doesn't protect you from the backlash for saying something offensive. Right. I think an article I was reading about this said working on SNL is not a human right. Right. And he took this right. j- chance. He said these things. And then the free market at work, people were like, I don't really want to support that. Right. Why do I want to listen to you? And I love it that it also just happened to coincide with the first Asian American mm-hmm. yeah. to get on SNL at the same time. You're like, come on, dude. Yeah. And the comments were made about Asians in general. So Arthur Mark Harris put it this way. Quote, SNL reversing its decision to hire Shane Gillis isn't a triumph of cancel culture or political correctness or whatever else idiots will label it. It is the swift and appropriate rectification of a mistake. There you go. (laughs) Comedian Sarah Silverman spoke about cancel culture last year on the Bill Simmons podcast where she argued that cancel culture itself 
should be canceled, an argument a lot of people have made, that social shaming is scary and that, in her mind, it was pretty much righteousness porn. She had personal experience with cancel culture after she was recently fired from a job when a photo of her in blackface from 2007 was rediscovered. She'd previously apologized for it and had not shied away from bringing it up in interviews as something she was ashamed of. On the podcast, she said, I'm not saying don't hold me accountable. I held myself accountable. I can't erase that I did that, but I can only be changed forever and do what I can do to make it right for the rest of my life. And again, this comes back to who is sincere and who isn't. And I know that we can't necessarily judge that because we're not in that person's head. But there is a relativity of have they learned? Have they done that since if she had continued to do so, if she did that would be problematic. Yeah. So it's just the, again, talking about any other, Harvey Weinstein, has he apologized? No. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Not that apology would be acceptable at this point. Yeah. But there's just not even taking responsibility for it, but being, playing the victim of, uh, everybody's attacking me because I'm a rich white man. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things we're going to come back to in a minute. One of the difficulties around this whole conversation is uh, oversimplification because Harvey Weinstein putting him in the same conversation of cancel culture as a comedian. Or Taylor Swift is a good example. Right. Who, yeah, probably did something problematic, but not on, the, not on that scale. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of nuances that get ignored right. when you're hashtagging something. Uh, and, yeah, speaking of Taylor Swift, she told Vogue in 2019, when you say someone is canceled, it's not a TV show. It's a human being. You're sending mass amounts of messaging to this person to either shut up, disappear, or it could also be perceived as kill yourself. And yeah, again, that that sucks, I'm sure. Um, but she really did end up getting canceled, did she? Yeah, I agree. I think it is a whole big thing when you look at the scale of what has happened and who's taking responsibility. Here is a legal <laughs> criminal act yeah. versus someone saying something stupid. Yeah. And yeah. I think you have to understand that accountability. Again, neither one of them have been canceled. Yeah. She just won amazing amounts of awards. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and he is still making damn money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and cancel culture does have some big-name detractors other than Taylor Swift. Ronan Farrow, one of the journalists who helped expose Harvey Weinstein, called it, quote, by and large, quite silly. Presidential candidate Andrew Yang came out against the firing of Shane Gillis, saying it was life-altering. And then he went on to say, cancel culture has really become sort of a source of fear for many Americans, where we live in a culture that you are somehow afraid that if you say the wrong thing, that your life could be changed forever. To me, it's vital that we humanize each other. We humanize the consequences of some of these impulses, not just in terms of who hears the expression, but who is losing a livelihood as a result. I think that's really easy to say. Yeah, this is, it reminds me of the, which has always kind of surprised me. I, I get it, but it's still surprising in how vehement people feel about it. But um, like political correctness and just right. a hatred of it. Right. Um, oh, I can't make fun of you because you might get your feeling hurt because you're too politically correct. Right. Excuse me? Yeah. No, I don't want... Why is that yeah, a bad I mean, thing? <laughs> it's another way of turning it back on, on the other person. It's sort of like gaslighting. Right. Like, I can't say whatever I want. So, because right. you're so you, sensitive. Because you're so insensitive. Oh, yeah. you're so sad. And it's going to ruin someone's. And this is that same damn excuse where we talk about boys being boys or mm-hmm. be careful what you say because if you accuse him, you may, ch- you know, change his life forever, ruin his life. Yeah. Wait, his choices didn't make him ruin his life? I see a lot of parallels in that conversation in this right. one, honestly. 
So also in 2019, again, we talked about it earlier, President Obama said at the Obama Foundation Summit, quote, this idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff, you should get over that quickly, quote. And this is one of the most frequent arguments against cancel culture. People make mistakes, and by shutting them down, they won't learn from them and move on, become better people. And of course, this is also met with a lot of the OK Boomer memes, as well as an op-ed that said, yeah, yeah OK Boomer, <laughs> 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 which is a funny meme, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Comedian Billy Eichner seemed to agree. After the whole thing with Kevin Hart, he tweeted, I'm not into people being permanently canceled over something like this. To me, cancellation is childish. I'm into conversation, not cancellation. I'm into owning up to past mistakes, acknowledging blind spots and hurtful remarks, talking through it, discussing it, learning, moving past it, and making progress together. And, you know, I, I do agree with a lot of those things, but it does put the onus of educating someone about their problematic behavior back on marginalized exactly. people. Yes. Um... I will say <laughs> the closest I've ever gotten to being canceled was when I said the most dreaded of things, that dogs are overrated. And all it did was made me want to dig my heels in like even more. And all those like angry messages I got, I was like, okay, you're proving <laughs> my damn point. But that's a lot different than saying something racist or sexist or homophobic and rightfully being called out for it. Right. Uh, and let's go ahead and just remember, having an opinion like, I like dogs better than cats, or I don't like peanut butter, is not the same as, oh, I don't know, maybe criticizing the looks of a young child or calling the police because of someone's skin color or their accent. Not the same thing. No. So when we're talking about cancel culture, yes, there's a variation of this is ridiculous to, no, this is necessary because it's seemingly there's no justice outside of. Right. Um... Yeah, it's one of those sticky situations, but sometimes it's necessary evil. Yeah, yeah. And we do have some more going into that, perhaps. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. 
whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. If you couldn't tell from our conversation already, mm-hmm. there are a lot of things going on here. Right. It is not a simple situation at all. One, I think, is this sort of knee jerk of of stuff on social media without any context. Um, another is people in power not liking getting called out. Another is cyberbullying and internet mobs. This also kind of ties into the episode we did a while back on death of the author and Rosemary's Baby and the other episode we did on being too woke and performative woke, performative activism. All of that kind of stuff is at play here. Right, and there's also the horror stories we hear of people killing themselves after being the target of cancel culture and the cases where people's lives or reputations were ruined when internet mobs accidentally besieged the wrong user. But these are fairly rare cases, and not that they should be dismissed, but just put in context of a larger picture. And of course, those are really upsetting, and it is necessary for us to pay attention to, for sure, because irresponsibly just going after people you don't know. Um, but at the same time, it's that same, like, irresponsibly making a comment that is hurtful for a community. That is also a bad context as well. Yeah, and I think another issue here is um, like bad eggs right. ruining it because uh, calling someone out is one thing, but telling them like, "Hey, go kill yourself," that is not right. a good. That is not responsible or good. Right. Um, relating to this kind of thing, I guess. Though we have been talking a lot about celebrities, cancel culture canon does take place outside of the world of celebrities. Several articles have looked into the prevalence of high schoolers using cancel culture as a way of disempowering enemies and strengthening social bonds and the consequences of it. Think something like the scarlet letter. Right. Um, and doing, doing the research for this, I got to say it does seem like in general people aren't really getting canceled. For all the like hubbub around it, uh, there are a few exceptions Kevin Spacey so Which, far? I feel like, yeah, given time. Yeah, I know. Like, all of these, and like, R. Kelly's so far. And there's still hashtags in defending him today. Oh, really? Yes. Um, maybe Woody Allen, Roseanne no, Barr? Maybe? We had celebrities defend Woody Allen oh, and I, still talk yes. about how they would work with him. And it's such a disgusting idea to me that I'm like, okay, it's true. We don't know all the ins and outs, but when we come into this era of there are things happening, mistakes happening, and obvious habits we need to take account to. And yes, you as as an individual who has all of this influence should take on some responsibility of the conversations you make. Just because he's good at something doesn't mean he should be (laughs) rewarded for such a thing. Yeah. Um, Forgiven, rather. Yes. (laughs) And then there, there are still others who have faced consequences in the short term, but in the end bounce back. And then if we look at someone with such a massive cultural impact like Michael Jackson, it's really hard to cancel them right. because they've had so much influence. It's sort of like a hydra. There Cut it off is. One head, two more will take its place. I was waiting for. Her. I convinced my mom to watch Marvel. that with me, and she fell asleep. <laughs> but <laughs> she was tired. It's not that it's boring. I keep telling myself. Um, it's also sort of personal. For some of us, canceling some people will be easier than canceling others who might have played a formative role in our lives. Right. As we said in that episode, Death of the Author, it is intensely personal. Now, one interesting example of this can be found in comedian Zach Broussard's 2019 edition of his annual list of top 1,000 comedians. 
in order to make it, quote, 100% creep-free, ass-free, and weirdo-free, it came with the option to cancel anyone on the list. Two hours after the list went up, all 1,000 of the comedians on it had been canceled. The 2,000 lined up to take the spots of anyone canceled were all canceled, too. So Broussard updated the list with a function to uncancel anyone who's been canceled. Hmm. I mean... That's pretty much it. Right. That that really captures a lot of what we're talking <laughs> about here. And there are plenty of examples of people who've been largely uncanceled. James Gunn is one that comes to my mind. Right. And when you look at celebrities who have supposedly been canceled, you see that they're still making quite a bit of money and profit and continue to get support from so many just because. Um, I think we can look at a whole industry like the NFL and even the higher educational fields sure. where you know something's going, things are being said, whatever, what may be that there's a focus that, yeah, but we're making money. Yeah. So why? I mean, and I talk, I'm talking about specifically NFL with a lot of the domestic violence issues that happens and it's just kind of ignored and swept under the rug. Mm-hmm. And it does seem largely that if uh, you are a person of color, you're more likely to be the one that falls on the sword, has to fall on the sword, than if not. Mm-hmm. So that is that aspect too that you have to look at where it comes to being privileged. Yeah. (laughs) And getting away with more because of the color of your skin. Yeah. Yeah. um, I've said before I'm not into social media, um, but I do understand avoiding it in itself is in some ways a privilege and that for marginalized folks, things like Twitter can be powerful platforms to connect with others like you and to call out oppressive or problematic behavior from those who historically have held the power to finally have conversations we've societally silenced for so long. And I am somebody who avoids posting often for fear something I post will be deemed problematic, even though most of the things I post are like, so I like the Winter Soldier or something. (laughs) And I am not alone in that at all, according to so many articles I read and conversations that I've had personally. And this can be an issue in terms of having robust, fruitful dialogues and silencing ideas. It's kind of extra twisty because, as we've talked about, if you look at something like Gamergate, you see an angry minority of the internet trying to shut women and marginalized voices up, a tactic long used by those in power. So I have sort of an anxiety around that. I have been doxxed before. It's not the same thing. Right. I know it's not the same thing. It's just an anxiety that I have. Oh, I share that anxiety with you because I'm the same way. This is part of the problem that I'm having with being on social media right now, just myself as well as handling our social media because I'm like, I don't want to put the wrong thing. Yeah. I had to ask 20 people, okay, how do I correctly give credit where credit is due as well as, you know, yeah. make sure that I'm representing our brand as well as women and those who identify as women or those who, you know, right. come, identify as feminists. You know, how do I mm-hmm. do this appropriately that I won't shame anyone and or bring shame to myself somehow, some way? Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, we got called out for uh, bisexuality and speaking incorrectly about that, and that was good, and we had, like, a great conversation around that. And that's the thing, is, like, we had to take responsibility and acknowledge that, and I did that. (laughs) We did that with each and every person that we interviewed, Mm -hmm. having to explain (laughs) the the mistake that I had made, and it was completely on me, and I was like, oh, my goodness, you are correct. I'm really glad you told me this, and this is harmful in every way, and I do not want to be a part Mm -hmm. of that. Yeah. kind of voice and I want to be someone who hears and opens and has open dialogue and it ended up being a two-part 
episode, yeah. which was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I love everything about the people that we were able to talk with. But that's, again, taking responsibility. Yeah. Not that we do that well, but learning that, yes, we made a mistake and this is the way to rectify the situation. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, ultimately, it's a good thing to think carefully about your words and to have any problematic thoughts or, or maybe even just things that you said kind of incorrectly or it not could even be said better. understanding. Right. Um, it's a good thing to have those called out to start those conversations. Um, I think cancel culture is frightening because we all know we've done things in the past that we aren't proud of and being called out isn't fun. But it seems to me a lot of the panic around it is just one more way of those in power trying to silence marginalized voices or to, to avoid accountability. I do agree that true internet mobs, cyberbullying calls for someone to kill themselves those are not good things. But I also think that's not what's happening a lot of the time when we talk about cancel culture. And people do need to be held accountable. And this is one of the tools to try to do it. Because again, a lot of people aren't getting canceled. Right. And it's not if it's not that people can't make amends for things they've done in the past and grow and change. That's our motto here. Right. <laughs> but it takes more than an apology tweet. It right. takes time and actions, which can be difficult given the fast-paced nature of the internet. Inaccurate media headlines, which I also think plays a role in this kind of fear-mongering around it. Exactly. And social media. If everyone's unfollowed you, it can be hard to redeem yourself. And uh, there have been several examples of people rushing to social media judgment before all the facts were in. Actually, I just got to talk about this on Saver, weirdly enough, about an episode of Colored Greens. Interesting. <laughs> so if you want to know about that, you can go check it out. Hey, that's a know. New Year's episode. Yeah, yeah but I right. think that is absolutely true when it comes down to how fast something can spread. Yeah. And oh, yeah. yes, and then regurgitating something that happened 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, people get caught up in all of that mess. But if you have not changed and yeah. it's a constant thing, those are things that need to be recognized. As well as the fact, if you are a person of influence, mm-hmm. you need to be able to not justify, but to take responsibility once again and talk about what is the issue. Now, of course, we know it doesn't matter. Some people will never be satiated and won't believe you. That is what it is. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. However, taking responsibility is on you. And if you have the privilege of being an influencer and people are paying attention to your word, yeah, there's a a certain amount of accountability that has to happen there. And I think it's not um, necessarily bad, to think before you write and no. have to think before you write. No. Just as we say, think before you speak. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily because you're fearful of something, because you you are fearful of being heard, but because you are being damaging to another group or a community or to a community in general. And that takes precedent to whether or not you just feel like saying bull off the cuff. Yes. Although I'm really funny and I like this. I'm just playing. <laughs> Well, and I always think, you know, those those memories that for some reason your brain loves to torment you with late right. at night. Most of them are things I wish I had just thought maybe one second right. before I said it. I mean, there's friendships ruined yeah, <laughs> with saying be. the wrong things. Can be. So TLDR, as with most things, it is complicated. I had to ask someone recently what that meant. Oh, did you really? Because yeah, it wasn't I, here? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, because I, I kept seeing it. I was like, what does this mean? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, this is giving me a lot to think on for sure. It's a very complex conversation. And I think that's the key is that we be sure to look into those complexities mm-hmm. and nuances. Mm-hmm.
And if you have any thoughts on those complexities and nuances, we would love to hear them. You can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.